Hello and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. You know, you'd think someone else would try one of these, but to date, no one has. Uh, I am your host. Uh, my name is Chris Chafin. I'm, I should say I'm one of the hosts. I am Caleb Shively, and I think there is at least a half another movie podcast out there. I, look, I've never heard of it, and I don't know anything it's about like it. I don't, half, I don't know what you're talking about. Half movies, half... Uh, concept of honesty like you're talking, just talk about being honest you're talking about this american life is that what you're talking yeah about? yeah right okay yeah. that's fair all right sure yeah they know of movies on that their podcast. stories become movies yeah, that's true uh, we talked we did we did one on this podcast and it was good um and it was so actually good you're listening to actually best choice movies it's the world's only movie podcast every week on this show we talk about two movies one of them is usually i should say one of them is old and one of them is new and they work together but this we're entering into awards season, baby. It's Oscar movie time. Uh, everything just starts coming out now. There's uh, too many the movies Things from out. festivals that were hyped are now deafening, and we have to go and rush to see them. Yeah, so there's like a lot of fucking movies to see. So we're doing two new movies this weekend. Maybe we'll continue doing this. You know, I mean, it's, we'll it's, see. It's possible. Uh, so this week we're talking about The Lighthouse, and we're also talking about Jojo Rabbit. Uh, two new movies from this year, uh, and that's the whole deal, right? Yeah, they're good movies. Uh, they had some clout to them, and we'll dissect the clout. <laughs> That's all this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Movies! But uh, before we get to any of that, Caleb, what have you been watching? What have you been watching this week? Well, I was on vacation. That's where that stretch came from. That oh, was a, a dormant stretch, stretch uh, that came out. Uh, but... Vacation means plane. Plane means plane movies. Was it a long plane ride, Caleb? Like, Dude. where 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 where, where oh. were you? People want to hear about. I went to Hawaii, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. a, which is a very long plane ride. We live in Brooklyn. This is live from Brooklyn, New York. Wow. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, twelve hours. That's crazy. Um, you flew direct. Uh, well, direct to Hawaii, the first one, and then there's like a we. Landed on the different island. We oh, landed okay. on the wrong island. Oh my god, Caleb! Way to go, Christopher yeah. Columbus! Did you give everybody syphilis after that? Dude, they like check you hard for that shit. It for is... like, like the, for any funguses, for any like plant, <laughs> like even uh, from island to island, you have to like make sure your feet are wiped and stuff. Um, there, that's really serious. I remember the one time I went to New Zealand. There were these giant signs up with like a picture of an apple core, and it said like. $10,000 fine. Damn. Uh, they're very serious. I got so scared by the end. I had actually brought a can of cooked pumpkin with me to make a pumpkin pie because it was Thanksgiving. And I very guiltily went to the customs agent like, I have this pumpkin. I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's in a can. And he was like, it's fine. What, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's a great way for anyone listening to sneak in stuff to yeah. other countries. Put it, put it in a can. They, can. they don't check it. Yeah. Uh, but on the plane, I saw some crap, which is I, I did rewatch both Tim Burton Batman movies. Uh, I did see a movie about because you uh, like Spider Man so going much. to Europe. Is that why? Uh, because I haven't seen them in so long, and I remember them not liking them a lot. Oh, well, uh, I, I do like Batman Returns. I thought it does hold up, but the first Batman specifically, I remember not liking. And I, it sucks. It's dumb. It's a dumb no, movie. No, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, it's a uh, Jack Nicholson gets to come in and uh, swing his dick around, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then like Batman's hardly in it, and the action sucks. But he got to make a cool movie afterwards called Batman Returns. Batman Returns is very weird and fucked up. Yeah, I like yeah, Batman it Returns. starts in a graveyard, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and uh, way better villains than uh, Batman himself. Like the villains carry that movie hard. Meow. Yeah, Michelle. Fe I follow Michelle Pfeiffer on Instagram, no. which I would recommend. She likes to get out the Catwoman whip sometimes and just like whip around in the front yard. I guess she does that we all the time. We haven't had a good 
we even treated her as a society. Let her be in more movies. She was in Mother recently, which is great. She's in, you know what she's in? Is she's in Maleficent too. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, hmm. She did not get good reviews in hmm. that movie. I like her a lot. Stardust. I like her a lot too. I, I, Married I, to the Mom. She should be in everything. Yeah, she's, she's great. great. Uh, but a movie I did watch, uh, Air Hawaiian has a bunch of Japanese movies, and I finally saw a movie I've been trying to see, Asako 1 and 2, uh, from the director, I have to read his name, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. <laughs> It was at Cannes in 2018. Uh, it got released in the States around March-ish. Missed it in the theater, so I'm glad I finally got to see it, albeit on a plane. But it's uh, I'm a, a huge Koreda fan, and it reminded me of Koreda's films in the sense that it's gentle and uh, you can explain the plot within like 10 seconds. Yeah, what, what is, though? Could you, could you do that? Uh, the plot is ten. Uh, nine, a girl eight, seven, uh, six, dates a guy. Five, he breaks up with her. Four, uh, three. Cut to a couple two, years later. Tick, one. Tick, tick, um, tick, tick. And tick, she sees tick, a guy that looks tick, like him, and tick, they get together. Tick. And then the guy comes back. Original guy comes back, and then that's all the plot. Uh, but it's all the depth of the character that, that carries the movie. Uh, it's so good. Like, uh, the way he breaks up with her at first is like, uh, they go, uh, first of all, it's a really weird love at first sight thing where they just like, what's your name? And then they kiss. And then they're like, that's a weird, that's a weird thing. And then Caleb, that's how it's gone every time I've met a woman. I don't know what, what is weird about that. I don't understand. Uh, and then the first breakup happens with, uh, he leaves for one night and then comes back and says, I'll never leave you. And then the narrator just says, two weeks later, he went to get shoes and never came back. <laughs> And then title <laughs> so card drops, weird. and then cut to the six years later, uh, and then but it's all like uh, the the beauty of mundanity, uh, mundanity Kane. Um, but that's uh, like what Kareda does: very small movies that just has wait, a lot wait, of wait, depth. Wait, 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 wait! This is a very intelligent thing you're saying about this movie, which sounds very good. And I love that you interrupted yourself to say mundanity. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking rules, and that is why you're the best person in the whole world. Uh, um, but he's a director I don't really know. I'm going to check him out. I'm going to say his name again. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. And wait, can I ask, is this like a new movie? Is yeah, it... uh, yeah. like I said, came out at Cannes 2018. Oh, I was. I did not hear you say that. <laughs> and it was least here. Yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be hitting a streaming service soon. But yeah, was, it, was it like well thought of? Did it like do well? Yeah, it got a lot, a lot of good reviews. Um what do I read? AV Club gave it a B plus. Yeah, people like it. <laughs> Sounds great, dog. It's a actually best choice. And can I also ask the movie where Spider Man goes to Europe? How did you feel about that? Uh, it was funny. It was funny. Yeah, I. Um, I literally forgot that I had watched it. Yeah. I said to Catherine, we saw an ad for it, and I was like, oh, we got to go see that movie. She was like, we saw that three weeks ago. What is wrong with you? And I, it took funny. me a while to remember having seen it. I do like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I think that's a fun... Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Uh, and the relationship with MJ is pretty good. And like, I Jake Gyllenhaal was stuff. like, you know... He's a good he villain, but good. Yeah. Uh, the whole uh, spoiler for this movie, uh, the whole thing undercuts itself. Like, oh, nothing really happens because it's all... <laughs> Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like special effects? Uh, yeah, it starts with the H. Holographs. Hologra- holograms. Is that the word? Holograms. holograms. Holographic. Um, I mean, if you are familiar with the Spider-Man comics, who he was my favorite comic book hero as a kid, which now seems like so fucking basic. But at the time, he was not that popular. I mean, he was popular, but not that popular. He was more cheesy in the 80s. 
But um, that was that's Mysterio's whole deal. I was waiting the whole time for something like that to happen. Mm. Like that's what Mysterio is. It would be like if uh, there was, uh, you know, Doc Ock was in the movie and the whole time he has two arms. And you're like, when are those fucking six arms going to come out? Yeah, that'd be annoying. His whole thing is he's got eight goddamn arms. Uh, I did am excited that they introduced uh, J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal. That's who he is. You uh, cannot stop playing J. Jonah Jameson. I know. Yeah. I'm excited for I guess they got me. I'll see the next one. <laughs> but how, did you not watch any more movies? You must uh, have watched a thousand movies. What else did I watch on, a, on the plane? On 24 total hours of flying? I slept a lot, too. Well, the, uh, way back, I just uh, had a red eye, so I fucking slept. Uh, I watched Shazam. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't seen that, actually. Uh, I kind of wanted to, but I haven't. It's dumb, but you know. Yeah, I passed up multiple. I mean, it was on the last plane ride that I took, and I did It's not basically watch it. big as a superhero movie, and they let you know that with a little piano scene. I don't know. Uh, That's cute. And it is like, as a 13 year old boy, like, oh, yeah, that is a very 13 year old boy jokes are doing. Like, uh, 13 year old boy becomes a superhero who looks like an adult. Of course, he's going to do some dumb narcissistic stuff. Like, he buys beer, right? Buys beer. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The kid from uh, It, um, who grew up to be, I think his name was Eddie. He grew up to be Eddie. He was Eddie in the first one. Uh, (laughs) But the kid in the uh, first It, chapter one, is very good in. Uh, this movie I'm talking about is called Shazam. Shazam. It took you a while. Like, oh, and you the, got there eventually. And the grown-up but... version of him in this, the in it, he was James Ranson. And then this movie, the grown-up version of him was Adam Brody, which I guess those two guys look alike. Wait, Adam <laughs> Brody is in this movie? Yeah, yeah. I just did a little spoiler. He's the grown-up version of uh, no, I didn't this know kid. That. Yeah, there's but a lot. But he's not of... the superhero. I, 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 he is he, he is, but not the superhero. Oh, he's a different, it's like someone else gets, okay, these are like deep spoilers for yeah, the movie. Okay, I am spo- I not deep, but like sur- surface level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, that's very rude about the plot of Shazam. Um, yeah, it is. I'm sure it's all super fucking deep. <laughs> um, I don't know if there was a larger thing they were trying to say with Shazam or anything at all. I think odds are there wasn't. I think odds are there wasn't. I would say there was like a very cool opening that sucked me in on Shazam. Uh, like it's a villain origin is the is this opening, and it's Mark Strong who's a cool actor. <laughs> um, so we are doing two new movies this week. Uh, normally that's as many movies as I watch, as, you know, especially given my busy schedule these days. Busy boy. Uh, but I actually did watch another movie just this past night, and on the Criterion channel, which Ooh. I am so neglectful of using. Did but you get the I, email today about Criterion in November? I was, I'm so stoked on it. Anyway, no, I didn't. I, no, I didn't. But I, I did get in the mail, as you may have seen on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, <laughs> my um, Criterion like charter members metal credit oh, card. Oh, I did see you have that. So it's really weird. So when you subscribe to the Criterion channel, or when I did, it was like, if you do it now, like you'll get this like metal credit card. That's dope. And I was imagining, like I don't know, like a platinum card, like actually made out of platinum. But it's very weird. <laughs> it's oriented vertically, first of all, which like, why in the world is it oriented vertically? <laughs> Second of all, it has a hole punched in the top of it, and it came with a little metal like rope, I guess I want to say, with a, that screws. And I'm like, what do they think I'm going to do with this? Because they obviously have a very specific idea on your carabiner. About what you're, you're going to use climbing. it for, but like, what the fuck is it? I have no, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to put it on your around your carabiner while you're rock climbing. It looks like. I guess so. It's me- it's so metal. It's so metal. It has the date of it here too of when you became a member. Getting so what I watch, they have you know they they do these series of uh, collections. I guess is what they call them, where they mm-hmm. group uh, you know, movies together, kind of like this yeah. very podcast. So they had a jailbreak one, mm-hmm. and I started trying to watch Stalag Seventeen, which I don't know if you've seen that. It's a Billy Wilder movie from 1953. Ooh. It's about Allied troops in a prisoner of war camp in Germany. 
but it's basically like fucking like Hogan's Heroes or something. Um, I guess I don't know if Hogan's Heroes was inspired by this movie. It kind of seems like it because it's very broad. It's like a comedy. I guess it's based on a play. You know, it's got every stereotype. They're like, hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, sure. get, stop washing your socks in my soup, you big joik. <laughs> like that. Like, those are literally things that happen in the movie. And there's, a, I guess, a Russian prisoner of war camp across the no man's land zone from them that, that women are prisoners in. And so there's a scene going on and they go, hey, there's more dames in the Russian camp. And then they run over and there's like 200 of them like jumping up and down and screaming at these like very confused and scared looking Russian women. And they're like jumping into the mud, like risking getting machine gun. They're like, I just want to see a dame. <laughs> Did anybody ever tell you you had the most beautiful legs in the world? And I was like, I watched about 20 minutes of it. I was like, I can't, I cannot, I cannot <laughs> do this. I cannot do this. So I watched this movie from 1937, a French movie by Jean Renoir. It's called The Grand Illusion. La Grande Illusion avec Jean Gabin. It's about. It's also about prisoners of war, Joe but Bacon. it's about uh, set in World War One. It's about French prisoners in a German camp in Germany, uh, but they sort of travel around the country. It's really what it's about is it's about class and it's about um, you know liberty, egality, and fraternity. You know, it's it's really because there's like the prisoners. You sort of follow this little group of officers around the country because they get keep getting transferred to different prisons, and one of them is like an extremely aristocratic like old aristocrat family from France. One of them is his family is like Jewish and they have, they like own a bank. Like, okay, that's a little stereotypical, but you know, this, I guess it's like the Rothschilds. He's like a Rosenstein. And then Uh, the other one is just like a mechanic who lives in Paris and it's, you know, they're all officers. So technically they're all at the same rank, but they're all very different like stratas of society. And the whole movie is basically about them interacting with each other. And also there's this one German commandant who is, uh, also of an old school aristocrat who treats the other, the French aristocrat like a human being, but treats the other ones like they're worthless. And, you know, he has a lot. It was very, very interesting. It's the acting is fantastic. One of the stars is, this is what I kept tweeting last night on the account, if you remember. Yeah, so the star of this movie is named Jean Gabin, and he looks exactly like Kenneth Branagh. Like, it's really fucking weird. He looks exactly, exactly like Kenneth Branagh. But black and white. But black and white. He's like a very, very good actor, and he's got a very expressive face. Here's a picture of him. Look. Oh, wow, he does. Well, one interesting thing I learned, too, is that uh, Jean Renoir, who I've heard of as a director, you know, in the past, he is the son of the painter Renoir. Like, I did not know that. Pierre-Auguste Renoir. That is some uh, favoritism to get that job. (laughs) I think he's just Nepotese. also I think he's just also talented. I don't know yeah, that Renoir is in charge of film. I don't think he like was president of the French film board or something. It's all art, man. Uh, it's all art, dog. <laughs> uh so anyway, that's enough that's of that cool. garbage. This week, the first movie that we're going to talk about is called Jojo Rabbit. It's from this year. It's directed, written by and not starring, but like let's say featuring New Zealand dude, Taika Waititi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's called Jojo Rabbit. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hi, Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us. 
Taika Waititi is honestly a truly rare talent. He's a writer, actor, and director who's spent the last decade making a string of hilarious, touching, and deeply human films across vastly different genres and vastly different budgets, from the slums of New Zealand to fucking outer space Norse mythology. He's uniquely talented at finding the real humanity of the characters in his films and, you know, finding ways to make that extremely funny. What a shame, then, about his newest film, Jojo Rabbit, uh, set in World War II Germany. It's most famous for the role that uh, lovable uh, Ytd plays, Hitler. I mean, and Taika Ytd, I believe, is like his descendants are Maori, or he's descended from Maori people. Uh, so it's especially odd that he's like a brown Hitler, which is a very interesting, subversive thing in and of its own. Um, but he's not playing the real Hitler. He's playing an imaginary version dreamed up by a lonely little boy who's living with his mother in Germany during the like waning days of World War II. This is and was an, a huge risk, obviously. But, you know, YTD, I would say, pulls it off with charm. But I think he was a little too focused on playing likable Hitler. So the rest of the script kind of gets away from him. And it's I think it just kind of ends up being a very cliched movie that hits every beat you expect a movie set in World War II Germany to hit. When it doesn't necessarily bring anything new to it, it has some great performances. I would say Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson are both really good in it. As Sam Rockwell, I would say, is better. And also Alfie Allen is in it. He's like pretty funny without actually having much to do. But, you know, I went into the movie theater very excited and I left the movie theater feeling a little disappointed. Uh, Caleb, how did you feel about this movie? Not my tempo. Uh, this proves, once and for all, that a plot of young Nazi in training finds out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic is a tough sell as a comedy. It's a tough thing to land as a comedy, even if you're a very good director. That is true. That is true, because they spend so much time making it serious, like making you yeah. be like, oh, look, this is like yeah. a really big deal. Uh, let's, uh, the tightrope metaphor. It's a tightrope to walk to balance out that uh, comedy and drama. And he doesn't walk that tightrope. He just doesn't falls. Matter. He falls on either sides of comedy. And it, sometimes it's really funny. Like uh, the opening camp scenes is very zany and like a lot of actually like, oh, good commentary. Like, oh yeah, let's make fun of Nazis. They're fucking dumb. Yeah, so the movie opens at this kind of like, it's like Moonrise Kingdom for Nazis. It's like this uh, Boy Scout camp for the Hitler youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Sam Rockwell is like the head camp counselor, like good. an injured soldier. And it's good. I would say the first like 30 minutes yeah. or so of this movie are uh, great, mm-hmm. are, are great. But then it completely loses its way. After yeah, that. and then the other side of that type rope, uh, he falls all over is the drama like he walks in just keeps falling into like the big sappy over-the-top drama and it's very much those big weepy moments and it very is much a by the numbers holocaust drama mm-hmm. everything everything you expect happens and there's nothing particularly i mean one of the funniest things in the movie is the kid whose name i don't know who's yeah, his gonna, friend I didn't look it up. oh yeah uh-huh. his friend yeah yeah, so the best friend of the main character is Jojo oh, Rabbit. That kid with glasses. Yeah, and he's got an English accent, which is, happens sometimes in these World War II movies. And he just has a lot of like very, very adult lines, but also they have that kind of eight-year-old logic that I think Taika Waititi is great at writing. Mm-hmm. Like So many of his movies star children and are about children like making their way in the world because he ha- he's very good at capturing like child logic and child fears and you know probably that is what makes him good at making superhero movies too is because those are exist in that kind of emotional realm but while some of the lines are good in general it's like the movie i wouldn't say is that good yeah it's a little bit of a sec de- set decorating uh 
like they build this movie they kept saying it's an anti-hate satire which is weird uh satire is supposed to be a very provoking and very challenging thing yeah yeah and, and and funny uh and jojo rabbit jojo rabbit really drops the ball on the being provoking or challenging it is funny though uh, but those jokes are like decoration other than any actual commentary. I don't think an actual Nazi white supremacist would be offended by this movie. Yeah, like right. you'd be like, oh, okay, sure. Well, cute it's movie. so weird because it's like at this point in history in 2019, like why bother making a satire about Hitler? Because it's like either a large segment of society doesn't like Hitler. So you don't really need to go after Hitler. Like it's like pretty pointless and if you're thinking about the people in the world who might not hate hitler like exactly what you just said like they're not going to be have their brains blown out by this movie they're gonna be like oh that's the best you got it's just kind of like everybody's a person and let's just try to you know do our best together which i mean is i agree with and i mm-hmm. i'm not saying i disagree with that but it's not a very strong point yeah. to I do movie. like making fun of Hitler. There's like a Mr. Show sketch. There's a Monty Python sketch that are very funny. Yeah, there was that whole sketch. German yeah. movie or TV show, The Return, which I never actually watched. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Where like I Hitler <laughs> becomes, it's like Hitler comes back in 2010 or whatever year it was. And he becomes like a radio host or something. Everybody, oh, it was a movie, right? Not it was a, a show. movie. Yeah. yeah. Everybody thinks he's joking around or he's being ironic. Yeah, I think, I believe it's still on Netflix. I think it's one of those things I added to my queue and have never taken off. <laughs> yeah, no, I never have watched. I think I, I think I watched the first 15 minutes and then I couldn't keep watching it. Well, there's obviously the Mel Brooks of it all, uh, Springtime sure. for Hitler and the producers, and of uh, To Be or Not To Be, where he played Hitler. But consider how much closer that is to the time when oh, Hitler Oh, yeah, totally. Happened. It's only 20 years later. Yeah. That would be like, it's like a movie about and the Mel 90s And Mel Brooks now. is an actual Jewish man who yeah, really exactly. wanted to make this other powerful man look silly, and he did a great job. Do you know me? I've invaded almost every country in Europe. And I still can't get a table at my favorite restaurant. I mean, he did. And I, I mean, I know this is the kind of dumb shit I say all the time, but like literally the producer's proximity to World War II would be like, it's like making early 90s now. Or it's not even like, it's like making late yeah. 90s now because it was only 20 years removed, mm-hmm. which is like, that's very close. But to do basically the same thing an extra 50 years in the future, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of been done at this point, you know? That's why I give a quick shout out to Chris Morris for making those terrorist comedies. No one else has made terrorist comedies. I mean, it's like true. He and he's going he's going after like current day yeah. terrorists. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot harder to laugh at. I would say uh, Jojo Rabbit is more comparative to Waititi's, uh, the Thor movie he did than his earlier work. Uh, right, because superficially it's like yeah. Boy or it's like Hunt for the Wilder People. But it's not really like no. Those movies. those movies. This is like Thor in the sense that it's uh, like set dressing on another story. Uh, like obviously Thor is product that he added his comedic juice to, and it worked really well in a Marvel movie. Uh, but this is a uh, Holocaust novel. For, uh, I wrote down the author's name, uh, Christine Luenz, called Caging Skies that he's adapting, and probably I haven't read this novel, but I imagine he changed the humor of it yeah, dra- I'm sure, drastically. I'm sure. This is a little zany humor, which I think is funny. Doesn't really coalesque with a holocaust nazi movie it's just a very weird fit and the thing i kept thinking about during it was like and i think maybe i've said this on the show before but you gotta imagine taika waititi he makes this thor movie it's hugely hugely successful critically acclaimed he can write his own check he can do anything he fucking wants and so i guess the first one is he makes what we do in the shadows tv show and Matt Berry is in it. So, like, that's great. Yeah. That's super cool. Good job. But then the second one is this. Like, why? Why? What What about this was so compelling to him that he felt yeah, like he weird. had to risk 
all of his capital in Hollywood to make a movie where he plays imaginary Hitler. <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, the only thing that makes sense is he thought it would be funny for him to play Hitler, and the rest of the movie just like grew up around that. You know, uh, it is getting that buzz though. It won uh, TIFF Audience Award, which is the big Did it Oscar really won a TIFF Audience Award. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. TIFF man, kind of, kind of done. Like it jumped the shark last year with uh, Green Book. Yeah, this uh, movie is like now not Jojo that good. Rabbit. It's yeah. not that good. I mean, and I like literally, I love Taika Waititi. I follow him on Twitter. Like, I follow he's him very on funny Instagram. On Twitter, like, yeah. He's great. I love he, all of his movies. Like, my wife is from New Zealand, <laughs> and I was able to connect with her a little bit because I had seen Boy like two years before I met her. And so I was like, oh yeah, I know some New Zealand stuff, you know. But and and I was just really disappointed by this movie. It was just yeah. It does this weird thing where uh, not weird, but it lends sympathy for the citizens of Germany, which sure give yeah, these people yeah. a heart. Uh, and it posits that they are like swept up in like a, a fad or a mania of some sorts. And they like, he puts the nail or the hammer on the nail with, uh, he does a German cover of, I want to hold your hand to start the movie off. And it shows like, like all the people screaming for, but it. it's for Hitler yeah, instead for of for the Beatles. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it wants to like show you a little bit of, of forgiveness about for these people, which I, mean, I didn't take that as forgiveness. I took that as like sympathy. Or well, no, I took it as, as him. He wants you to understand Hitler, not as like the worst person from history that you think of, but he wants you to understand that like everyone in Germany was having this Beatles like yeah. fascination with him, like regardless of what he was actually saying. It was just like, he was like a pop. He was figure, the big, yeah. Which I uh, think is an, I think that is an interesting way to look at Nazism and Hitler, but sure. I, I don't know that it's like a fruitful one, but it does help you get into the mindset. I, I actually read this really good book a couple of years ago called All is Lost, and it's about uh, it's about a little boy living with his mom alone in a big mansion sort of on the in the, the eastern part of Germany. And it's based on a true story. This author actually had gone through this. He's dead now. The book is from like 2004. He's dead. Yeah, he lived to be very old. I kept thinking of that during this because that was like such a more, you know, it was based on a true, it was this is a guy's own lived experience, but it was so much more rich and weird than this movie is. It was like a very similar story, but done in a way that was worth engaging with. So yeah, <laughs> I would say check that book out if you want to. Yeah, I would say this movie is all tugging at your heartstrings over like trying to get a rise from the audience, which the premise of like, Hitler in a movie is trying to get a rise in general, but it does not do that at all. It's just basically, uh, like it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Twee movie, uh, the Twee movies of the early two yeah. thousands. Yeah, yeah, I uh, totally agree. I would say it's like a Twee movie, but goofier. Uh, I, like a Little include, Miss Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine, yeah. Juno, Five Hundred Days of Summer, the look of a Wes Anderson. I think you mentioned Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very Twee, but with a zany Hitler, which does sound fun, and it he sounds is funny. funny. He and he is funny. Yeah, I have never seen a funnier Hitler. But but this is like ah uh, moments. It like uh, I wrote down two us. Uh, I wrote down uh. Here's a quote from the movie: "Love is the most powerful thing in the world." A character blatantly says that. God, that's so fucking uh, stupid. And this is a spoiler. I'm sorry. This is a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the movie ends with two characters dancing, like silently. I mean, that was cute. No, I mean, it Caleb, was. I thought cute, it was. I thought like, it was cute. cute. Dumb. <laughs> I Dumb thought that cute. was cute. I mean, definitely I felt like the movie could have ended like half an hour before it ended. Sure. There's a huge pointless battle scene at the end of this movie with like explosions yeah. and fire. And it's like parts of it are funny, but in general it kind of, you're like, why is there a huge battle scene in this movie? You know, like what is the point of this? <laughs> yeah. Um, you alluded to the cast earlier. I think the cast is kind of the saving grace of this movie yeah, too. Sure. 
Uh, we mentioned Whitey, how funny he is, and the kid's fine. He does. I don't remember. I didn't remember his name. The yeah. young actor's name. He's like name. pretty good. Yeah, he has to carry the whole movie, but he has to play off of some great person, Scarlett Johansson, who uh, didn't land the accent in this movie, oh but God, she's still <laughs> still very good. Like it's. Uh, it does have this weird thing where like some of the people are trying to do a German accent and some of them aren't, yeah. and it was just like everybody should just talk in their normal voice. You know what I mean? Because if, if, if the, you're positing a world where they're all German, but they're speaking English, then it would sound normal to you. So there they is should like just a, talk in their normal voices. Yeah. It does it come off cartoonish and therefore works for the people who did try the German accent and oh were God. cartoonish, such as Sam Rockwell, who's very what funny in this doing? movie. You know? Sam Rockwell digging his heels into the idiot racist has a heart in there somewhere. I know, world. like <laughs> playing like racist with a heart of gold, like hitting it hard <laughs> in this movie. But uh, he's great. Yeah, he's she, great. very funny. Uh, One you of mentioned, the... I'm glad you mentioned Alfie Allen in my notes. I'll show you uh i said show me the alfie allen deleted scenes because <laughs> in, in all seriousness alfie allen maybe has five lines know, in the movie so... but he's in like many many scenes just kind of standing there and he's doing like a lot of funny stuff and the way he stands is very funny too yeah it, it, i wish there, he was written more they do a hint at that like there these two nazis had a, kind of a love affair i mean uh, i would say they hit it on like very yeah, strong, they did very strong. Yeah. Uh, but again they wouldn't if they showed more of alfie allen we would have known uh rebel wilson as well Oh, yeah, Rebel Wilson, yeah. Uh, Steven Merchant playing Gestapo. (laughs) Yeah, he's mostly, like, not being funny. He's mostly being terrifying. But just by being Steven Merchant, it's inherently funny, too. (laughs) They have a great scene where something extremely unusual in Hollywood happens with Steven Merchant. They show him next to Sam Rockwell, and you're seeing them as their actual heights. (laughs) Which is, like, you never, ever see that. Because Sam Rockwell is short, and Steven Merchant is, like, six foot five. (laughs) So it's, like, a visual joke that Steven Merchant is, like, this, like, scarecrow-like figure, like, towering over him. But also, you know that this is real. (laughs) This is, like, actually how tall. This is actually their height difference. Also give a shout out to the cast member, uh, Thomason McKenzie, who I like a lot. She was in Deborah Granick's uh, Leave No Trace, and she was amazing in that movie. Oh, is, this, is she the Jewish girl? In yeah, the yeah, wall? she's yeah. the one in the wall. Uh, she's a very great act- great young actress. If there is, like, Oscar hopefuls oh this God, to this movie, like, she might get a supporting nom. I don't think that's going to I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're even saying Scarlett is in the talks for supporting women, too. I don't think either they're going to happen. It would be. Uh, she doesn't but I don't know. Either. People, I don't, this, the Oscar hype hasn't died down for this movie yet. She, <sighs> Look, I, she was cute in the movie, and I definitely thought she came across as a mm-hmm. good. Like she, she carries the dramatic person, stuff in know? this movie better than anyone. Yeah, and she also just seems like a mom. She seems like a regular nice mom. Oh, I'm just talking about Matt Thompson. We're talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. Charlotte, I, was, yeah. I was talking about yeah. Yeah, she was. Scarlett Johansson was a nice mom. I hope she should. <laughs> but you, the the girl, the, the girl is getting Oscar buzz. Of uh, both of them are yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. I think I it's, mean, uh, if you want to see her act way better, go see Leave No Trace. The girl is so it's like no spoiler alert or whatever, but it turns out that there's a Jewish girl it's living in the, in the walls of it's their the house, previews. which it's is not like. A spoiler. Why? 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 And then then that becomes the entire plot of yeah. the movie is him dealing with this. It's Jewish not a girl spoiler if it's the plot. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you're right. She does. She's the only person who has no comedy. It's like if she showed up to set every day and shot all of her scenes, she would just <laughs> think it was a regular movie. You know, like she might've been like really surprised to see the actual movie. I mean, there is some, you know, funny quote unquote stuff. Like I hesitate to even repeat it, but the, the idea is the little boy who is a Nazi is writing a book on Jews and he's trying to get information from her and she's annoyed by him. So she's saying things like, Oh, we hang upside down from the rafters of your house and we suck your blood at it's night. It's cute. Funny. Yeah. And it's like cute, funny. And yeah. then they show little like illustrations they've made of it. It's fine. 
Yeah, I would say like the first 30 minutes are kind of worth it uh, just because it's a little zanier movie. And then the big Stephen Merchant scene is kind of funny. It's pretty good, yeah. Where uh, they say Hail Hitler about like, I don't know, 70 times. <laughs> There's a very good gag where it's they say Hail Hitler yeah. like 70 times. Yeah, exactly. Um, but see, this is the thing. Even with gag, like numerous gags mm-hmm. that I think are very well done, it's, I don't think it's worth, I mean, not to spoil it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth seeing. Yeah, I like good gags in movies, but... Uh, those like those have to come like snap 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 come 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 at yeah like those are great comedies like airplane did that pop star never stop stopping oh did my that. god I mean please but this don't just keep that put name so out much your mouth. drama in between all that where it's like oh I missed the comedy and, and then when very... it comes you're like oh yeah there it is and it's gone again and it's funny because he can do dramatic movies like Hunt for the Wilder People made me uh-huh. cry like yeah, oh, many yeah. times uh, at different boy times Boy has some wonderful dramatic moments in it too yeah I mean I've, I've said this to you in the past but I the first time I saw Boy I thought it was a comedy and the second time I was like this movie isn't funny at all why was I laughing yeah. at this I'm like a really bad person like everything in this movie is sad I'm named after my dad he's overseas doing some pretty important stuff I mean you're a liar your dad's in jail for robbery um yeah we I still think uh I mean he's gonna get he's getting Oscar love from this he's I think there's probably already already won the TIFF uh audience award so he's gonna get more movies like don't listen to us I guess for his career that's not the premise of the show Uh. (laughs) but I mean honestly like think about Taika Waititi like he is he he wrote direct and has one of the major supporting roles in this movie like name another director right now who's doing that Sorry I am like I am sometimes. Got people trying to bring me down, you know? The government mainly. I don't think uh, there is Joel one. Edgerton? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, I actually don't even know who that is. Uh, I, he did I, Loving. He wrote, directed, and starred in. Oh, okay. Uh, there's someone else, I imagine. Oh, like, what's his face that did? Seth um, Rogen, but he isn't really... He doesn't really he's direct. He's one, one directed, one, one direction. But I think he's a very unique talent in on the landscape right now, Taika Waititi. Yeah, definitely. And I think that he has had up to now like almost what I, a perfect track record. Sure, so I, I liked his Marvel movie. It's you hard gotta thing to make do. some kind of missteps, I guess, in your career. And as far as missteps go, this isn't a catastrophe. No, no. Like it's got all this awards buzz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you if you ask me, what you did by turning on this podcast, <laughs> not great. Yeah, uh, go see Boy. Actually, best choice Taika Waititi movie, I would say Boy. Hunt for the Wilder People, I think maybe is yeah, his best great. movie. Yeah, both great. Yeah, uh, both are more worth your time. I mean, fucking go see Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, uh, like, what we do in really the shadows good. is go see what we do in the shadows. Insanely, insanely yeah. good show. The only uh, thing and I don't, movie. I, the only thing I don't like about the movie is how much time they give to the Reese Darby stuff. I don't think he's that funny in that movie. Oh, I like, like werewolves, that movie. not swerewolves. All that stuff. It's hey, a little basic. supposed to have a spinoff for. Reese Darby's Will Ropes. Well, I don't know. You know, the marketplace isn't a perfect predictor of quality. <laughs> That's enough of that bullshit. Uh, you want to move on to the second movie? We got a second movie, y'all. Yeah, so the second movie is also from this year, and it was directed by a person whose name is... Robert Eggers. And uh, the name of it is... The Lighthouse. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans? Robert Eggers follows up his acclaimed folk fable horror, The Witch, with the sea folk fable horror, The Lighthouse. Another A24 joint who's come close to a house horror style, including The Witch, the films of Ari Aster, and this year's Climax and High Life. Eggers throws us into the fire from scene one. A box aspect, black and white, blaring sound design, and the stone-cut faces of Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. While the first half of the movie 
serves as acclamation to the proceedings, an inciting incident, not to spoil, but the act spooks the weather into changing, leads to the payoffs of cabin fever, male posturing, and some delicious capital A acting. Defoe plays the veteran lighthouse keeper, hogging the duty of actually manning the light between barking orders and getting shit-faced on a nightly basis. Pattinson plays the mysterious assistant, a newcomer to lighthouse work, who has to put up with his boss, leading to a wave of resentment that the second half of the movie brashly deploys. <laughs> uh, whimsical sea shanty nonsense, fever dream nightmares, a taunting seagull, and oh, so much flatulence are part of the tapestry Eggers, working again with cinematographer Jaron Blaschke, weave. Uh, but a two-hander this movie is, and the Defoe-Pattinson duo lend their gravitas to the period piece folktale with aplomb. Chris, The Lighthouse is very much my tempo. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was a very interesting movie. I have a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, it is going to be hard to talk about without spoiling it exactly. Ooh, I, I think it's one of those movies that it's impossible really spoil to spoil it. It's so all atmosphere, yeah. Happens. But um, one thing I will say is... The tone of the movie is all over the place, which not in a way, and I don't mean that as a, as a, like a insult, but it, I think the tone is like, it changes like on a dime on purpose, Yeah. which I would say the number one of example of that is this movie has a fart before it has a line of yeah. dialogue. Yeah. A movie like, yeah. This is a serious art movie. And it is a very serious art movie that has a fart before it has any lines. I don't know if it's super serial, <laughs> man. Uh, like there's a bunch of weird surreal stuff in it, and yeah, it's like a, a plick. Uh, it's a serious black comedy. <laughs> I mean, it is very much like an old school movie. It reminded me of a movie from like maybe the late '80s, where you know, like not not a Jim Jarmusch movie because he doesn't have as much like capital A acting as this has, mm-hmm. but kind of, kind of, kind of in that vein. Yeah, of like, I, a, like I, an I indie movie. You know, it's very high contrast, black and white. It's just these two guys for almost the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And there's just lots of monologues. I mean, uh, Willem Dafoe delivers this, you know, oh, it's a inciting all-time. monologue. And there's like, it's the angle is low below him. The lightning is flashing and we hear thunder rolling and he's got his fists clenched up and he's giving this like, it goes on it's and on and on. It's a to the on. sea gods. Yeah, it's a uh, bury and murder. I wanted to stand Robert up and Pattinson. clap when it happened in the theater. I was so impressed. And uh, Willem Dafoe, who has a great career, this would be one of his better speeches, fantastic. which is saying something for how great of an actor Willem Dafoe is. Uh, it was better than Spider-Man 2, I agree. <laughs> yes. It was better than uh, Finding Nemo. It was better than Boondock Saints. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Uh, um, also a good Willem Dafoe movie, Platoon. Yeah, no, he's in lots of good movies. But it was like, I definitely many times during the movie thought, like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? What if what, if what I'm seeing is real and what if what I'm seeing is imagined? And what do the characters know it's imagined or do they not know it's imagined? <laughs> yeah. And and if they know it's imagined, do both of them know or only one of them knows? There is like a madness that grows and grows in this movie. And that madness uh, kind of leads to the surreal and supernatural stuff that we see. Uh, so it is like one of those things like, are they seeing that? Can they see that? Are they both experiencing this weird tentacle that's flopping around right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, they each get their own little things to do. I think Robert Pattinson has a little bit more surreal stuff as he's the more... Uh, crazier one. He's uh, crazier. Yeah, he's not as acclimated to the... Like uh, wiki life. Lighthouse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and acclimated is a word I like to use for this movie because this movie starts at like a 10. Yes, for <laughs> like, sure. Like you're there at like... And then like you do have to like really pay attention. And it was like the first half was just like 
trying to pay attention to the, like get your feet wet and it like lulls you in and like you get it and then i say like an incident happens which is kind of funny uh it involves uh, that aforementioned seagull uh and a curse a curse <laughs> but then the weather changes and it's a fucking like the madness starts paying off and they get to go up. at each other they yeah. get the like it's many many times you are thinking is he about to kill him like that you think yeah. that like many times for maybe like a full hour of this movie and then you think oh are they about to kiss <laughs> yeah oh yeah they do almost kiss which is like great uh, uh, but it's just a whole bunch of just two powerhouse actors willem dafoe uh, in the twilight of his career dude robert pattinson is maybe like the best actor yeah. in america about right to play now. some He's batman so good yeah i mean i was thinking of this movie and then i was thinking of not high life which was great also but i was thinking good time uh, good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he's such a fucking good actor. He's such a good actor. He's good in that terrible Lost City of Z Oh, I love movie. Lost City of Z. It's a good movie I mean, it's me. only good because of Robert Pattinson. Oh, I like James Gray movies. Yeah, boy, I mean, it's got fucking Charlie Hunnam. Like, yeah, he's not the best in it. Uh, Sienna Miller's good in it. Uh, the, the design of that movie is very good. It's an interesting movie. Um, <laughs> but I think Charlie Hunnam, like, literally has never seen the English language before. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Robert Pattinson is so good. And because it does have this kind of like surreal, almost comedic vibe, and they kind of trade off which with, with which one of them is being comedic oh, in sure, a given yeah. moment. But a lot, a lot of the movie is Robert Pattinson being very fucking deadly serious. Yeah, and a lot of it's uh, seeming like a confused fucking idiot. You know, it's a lot of it uh, them being very macho, and then those macho scenes extend to like their uh, solo scenes, like yeah. We mentioned farting, but uh, which is a lot of from uh, Willem Dafoe's character. But Robert Pattinson gets some bodily humor here too. He has a jerk off scene. He, he uh, off. tries to throw poop at one point, and it wind takes it back. I mean, on that him. was pretty funny. That was pretty uh, funny. yeah. It's fucking hilarious. But it was one of those things where like, uh, and then I wanted to laugh, but then there I was so much onto the next thing I'm watching that I didn't want to laugh. <laughs> I mean, here is like a good. Uh, here's what the tone of this movie is like. There's a very long scene where we just. Out of nowhere, we cut to Robert Pattinson standing in a shed, masturbating with his pants like halfway down, staring at this doll of a mermaid that he has Wood found carving, yeah. in his bedroll when he got to the lighthouse. And then it's flashing to him seeing a real mermaid, which we don't know if that really happened or if he was like losing his mind. And then when he comes, he <laughs> screams and smashes the mermaid doll against yeah. the ground. And you're like... Why? Why is he? Why is he? Why is he mad at the mermaid? This is but also, you sort of get it. Also, yeah. you sort of get it from an emotional level. Uh, like these are spoilers, but like you can't spoil this movie. It's an experience. Like it's we're describing something, but you got to go there's see. So uh, there's just so many moments. Beautiful like black that. and white uh, ratio. Like I, I mentioned, it's in a box aspect, which I think lends to the claustrophobia of it all. Yeah. Robert Eggers taking a big swing here, like following up a very uh, well acclaimed movie that was that did play in like multiplexes. The Witch did, which I always thought was very yeah. weird. I mean, it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's and, also uh, a very quiet movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I saw that The Lighthouse, which stars two big name actors, uh, is also playing in multiplexes. That's so weird. Dude. How does this guy keep getting into so multiplexes weird. with these these weird fucked up movies he makes? I love it so much. Um. Okay. So wait. I'm going to say this, and we can cut it out if we want. Okay. But um, this is like kind of... I'm going to try to say this in a least spoilery way as possible, but there are things that happen in the second half of the movie that make it extremely allegorical and make me wonder if that is the story of the movie in general. Sure. I've been watching my cholesterol intake, but what the hell, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to yeah, die someday yeah, anyway, right? right? 
What? Honey. Wow. Are you oh, kidding really? me? You just ruin it oh. every time. Oh. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. rude. So right, just to completely spoil it. So the last thing we see is Robert Pattinson and he's getting his guts and eyes pecked out, uh, which is the punishment that Prometheus got for stealing fire from the gods. And the last thing that happened before that was Robert Pattinson finally getting into the lighthouse and touching the light. And if you want to back it up again, you could maybe say the whole plot, quote unquote, of the movie is him trying to get the light when he's being prevented by Willem Dafoe, who is this older figure who has a giant beard who like, maybe you could say that's Zeus. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, is the whole thing based on this myth of like Prometheus and Zeus and Greek? And if so... Did he get the light for some reason? Like, did was he was this? Were we supposed to think there was some kind of meaning to him hmm. getting the light? The light is the tip of the thing they're asked to protect, uh, and tip is funny word choice because it is like, <laughs> a, like a giant a, phallic symbol they're it is, protecting. It is. So it's like protecting the most sensitive area of <laughs> their dick. But do you know what I mean? Like, but it and, ends to their leads to their downfall. I mean, for it for them to choose to end the movie with this, like literally, literally exactly the punishment that Prometheus gets, it's like obviously that's a reference to Prometheus, and then that means that him getting the fire is like obviously a reference to that also. And then you're like, well, is that the animating thing of the whole movie, or was that kind of just like a skeleton, a framework that they stapled what they actually wanted sure. to do onto? There was know? a little Greek thing, a uh, guy pushing a uh, rock up the hill. Uh, with him dragging an oil oil yes. tank up the stairs. It was, so it's kind of like that, right? But <laughs> yeah. then it's like, is he supposed to be some kind of like sympathetic mythological figure? You know, Robert Pattinson? Is there a whole level on which this movie like totally makes sense if you understand, if you really know Greek sure, mythology? Sure, maybe, damn. Uh, that is, it, 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 so bare bones that it does lend itself to those type of readings. I would say it's, quite enjoyable as watching two great actors act too uh also it's enjoyable on level of pure like what the fuckery like it's art it's pure art in a way like it's amazing it's a black and white movie in 2019 that's great yeah it's so it works on so many levels it's what it's great I mean, it's definitely like it was fascinating and funny and very enjoyable. The crowd I was sitting in at the IFC Center did start applauding at the end of the movie nice. because there's just it feels very theatrical. It feels very like presentational, and it feels you know like I was saying when I watched the movie from the 30s. It has that energy of like a movie from the 30s mm-hmm. where it's like weird wooden tables and mad cappy, yeah, mad cappy, and just like you know. High contrast, like very obvious kind of like thunder and lightning, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing happening. But then with the filmmaker like Robert Eggers adding that jolt of... Uh, Definitely. He's a very good technical director too. And then uh, there's some very like funny dialogue in this movie, like the she shanty of the Willem Dafoe speech. Uh, this line had me howling. Uh, uh, they're in the middle of a fight. Robert Pattinson character looks at uh, Willem Dafoe and says, you sound like a goddamn parody. <laughs> I literally like went... <laughs> I went like that. I, I had to like stifle my laughter. That is so funny. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so he, funny. Like, it's like calling it, it's a very meta line too. A lot of the reviews I've been reading uh, keep referencing the sea captain from the Simpsons. Really? Yeah. Which I love. I mean, I don't know about that. That's like, like, a, little, like, like a little basic to reference it, the sea captain from the Simpsons. Hell yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of true too. I guess like, that's like the most famous sea captain we'd really, all be familiar with. Like that know? whole 
Yar. Yeah. I mean, I do like that they're doing like those New England accents the whole time where they're saying like, why do you want to be a wiki? Oh, yeah. Uh, Pattinson's accent kind of wavers a little bit at yeah, points, yeah, uh, which is fine for me. It works for me because it lends itself because he was we learn about his character who he just lies a lot about his life. Yeah, and he because he definitely it's it's almost like a movie like Melancholia in that it's very sure. neatly divided into two halves, and theoretically the two halves are related, and I mean more so in this movie than in Melancholia. But the tone shift is so complete after this uh, incident happens that it's almost like a completely different movie. Whereas before it was a kind of very quiet movie that seems very grounded in reality, but but it is still strange and off putting, but it's real after that moment it becomes very unreal and very like you you, know, you feel very unmoored as a viewer mm-hmm. because you're not really sure what's happening it's like i was saying you don't know what's real or who knows what's real and you're not sure like you know even like i was describing you know describing that end scene is that real it's very hard to know what's real mm-hmm. that's what's happening in this movie yeah i think this is an easy actually best choice do you have anything else to no, I mean, yeah, about. we've been fucking going um, on. We've been going on yeah. and on, Caleb. We've I would like to uh, talk about the A24 house style. Like, they're, they're doing really good with horror movies, but they also allow filmmakers to come and make these horror movies. And so it's like almost horror as a pastiche for filmmakers to, like, get their foot in the door and do be really creative work. I mean, would you look at this as a horror movie? Is, would you uh, say that? It kind of, like, look, the look of it is, but I wouldn't say it's horror yeah, at I all. Either, There's some, yeah. like... Horror intense elements. Yeah, yeah intense elements to it but I, I keep saying it's a black comedy like it's a yeah, I, I almost a weird buddy comedy in a way uh but there is like death in it and stuff uh midsummer was a breakup funny breakup movie <laughs> <laughs> see i think that's more like a horror movie yeah it, it's i i would agree uh but kudos to a24 i guess for yeah. like allowing the like they did claire did any movie earlier this year it was well uh and they did uh, that oh, they movie did. you were talking about, The Death of Dick Long. That was oh, yeah, too, Oh, yeah, Death of Dick Long. Uh, Climax, which is, has a lot of horror elements, too, which we talked about on this mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, they did Kreisha as well. Is yeah, fucking A, dog. Yeah. Fucking they're doing A. Uh, Waves, is Trey Edward Schultz. That's what they're doing. They're allowing good young directors to come in, make movies, give them enough money to hire a big enough actor who's indie cred enough, and boom, we have there we have it. Robert Pattinson. And boom, there we have it. Is now... Uh, one of our favorite stars. That so was is like Tim Chalamet. That was like if a uh, NPR host had to announce a basketball game. And boom. And boom. There we have it. A three-pointer is made in the basket, and he takes it out to pass and passes in. He drove to the paint. I enjoyed watching this. Speaking of driving, with Stamps.com, you don't ever have to drive nice. to this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they don't do that on NPR, but whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's say Caleb that uh, you would be devoured by some kind of sea beast, like a shrieking Ooh. mermaid or a kind of sensual octopus. If you a re- sexy gangster octopus, if you refuse to pick one of these two movies, which of them would you do? I would run to the heavens and scream, "The lighthouse! The lighthouse! I shall pick the lighthouse!" Oh, oh, you want to be a wiki, boy. Oh, what makes you think you can have the life of a wiki, eh? That was Chris also picking the lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me picking the lighthouse. Um, I mean, what is the point of us having a movie podcast if I can't just do that? Why wasn't I doing that voice the entire episode? Oh, true, true, true. I guess we could put a Wiki's a job like any other. Oh, you think you can handle We're the life of a wiki, boy. Two uh, versions of this. One where it's in that voice and one where it's our normal, normal earth. It, it's almost like a pirate voice, but it's not quite. The sea captain know? voice. Yeah, it's a sea captain yeah. voice. 
Thank you for listening to actually best choice movies. Uh, also, uh, Tom Kenny, narrator in SpongeBob. Are you ready, kids? <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's I also agree. The Lighthouse. You know, it pains <laughs> me to say it. I love Taika Waititi. I know. I love so Taika. Much. Yeah, I love, I love him. Taika. I love. I love Taika. He's like a formative figure in my yeah, life. Yeah, he's in great. All honesty, like Go I see really Blue, yeah. admire him. But uh, this movie was not great. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to make mistakes. Lord knows I've made my fair share, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, that's it for the show this week, cowboys, I guess, you know? And cowgirls. Mm, everybody's a cowboy. It's a gender neutral term. Really? In my mind, as of, as of 10 seconds ago. Oh. <laughs> uh, tune in next week, two weeks from now, when we are talking about some other shit. Next I don't know. time. I'm actually going to see. Actually, best choice movie. I'm going to see The Irishman on Sunday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so maybe that. Oh, yeah, it does start. Uh, it starts in theaters November 1st, which is soon. Yeah, two days. Uh, so maybe that, maybe something else. I don't know. We love Scorsese. We talk to you later, cowboys. Bye, I love y'all. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. in the goddamn refrigerator, eating up all the food, all the chicken, all the pig feet, all the collard green, all the hog maws. I want to eat some of them chitlin'. I love pig feet.